going going and looks like we are live according to the counter up here welcome to another podcast of fireside freedom today we got a good one we got a nice panel here it looks like five of us in total it's going to be a, a fun chat i think and tonight's topic is preparing for a vacation with a homestead or a business because both of them are terrible to leave and i'm sure we all get a lot of stress whenever we have to do it but I'm hoping I'll learn some stuff from these other guys in this panel tonight because I know every time I've been doing it for years now and it hasn't gotten easier. But when we all bring our minds together, maybe we can uh, change that a little bit. So let's start off with a nice, easy one. And we'll go with uh, clockwise. So, Nate, you'll go first. It's going to be an easy one. In the last week or two, what have you done to improve your um freedom well we added another rabbit to the rabbit tree so uh we got a new awesome one uh, male or female female it's a doe uh broken white and black girls have been wanting one so we'll add her into the breeding program here pretty soon and then we uh finished up our meat birds so those guys are all in the freezer we're done with those guys uh aaron just got a bunch of hops in from Terry down at Strong Roots Resources. Uh, our comfrey is going like crazy from Brian. Yeah, that's, uh, we're, we're really looking forward to that. And we, Aaron and I have uh, kind of sat down and talked about what we're going to, you know, what, what we can use that comfrey for, you know, make salves or something else. Uh, so she's gonna all of it. You can use all of it. Yep. So she, she's going to probably freeze dry some of that this week coming up. And then uh, set it off to the side so we can get the salves made. Um, and then there's also uh, some talk about possibly renting out some time on the freeze dryer. So we'll see how that uh, that kind of plays out. Interesting. Awesome. Interesting. Yeah, you just got that recently, didn't you? Yeah, we've had it. Uh, when the heck did we get that? March, April, somewhere around there. Okay. So, awesome. Yeah. yeah, so already making it pay itself back off. Oh, yeah. With all the candy Brian? we've made, we've done quite a bit. Oh. <laughs> uh, my turn? Yep. Uh, I accepted a purchase offer on our house. Awesome. Congratulations Congrats. on that. Got 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 a couple weeks left, but uh, supposed to close on the 31st, so that kind of kicks off our journey that we've been working for for Oh, like two and a half years. So that's cool. <laughs> a little, little nerve wracking right now for uh, for the time being until we close because, you know, I just don't trust mortgages and all that shit. So we've had stuff go sideways late in the process before. So, you know, not counting chickens before they're hatched, but uh, they're in the incubator and uh, almost there. That's awesome. My turn? Okay. Well, yes. let's see. Most of mine is trying to be more food security. I've got a mess of ducks and adult uh, hens. I've got a whole bunch of baby chicks. There are going to be layers here the next spring. And uh, some meat birds. That I've got. Now, I don't I don't process my own birds. I'm too old and, and uh, lazy to process my own birds. So I got a lady up in uh, Kansas that does mine for me. But I've got a story i got to tell you guys. I had nine broad-breasted bronze turkeys and usually i have to get up at like five o'clock in the morning to take them up there but she didn't eat them until afternoon 
And when I do it in the morning, my husband helps me load them, but he didn't this time because they didn't need them till the afternoon. So I'm trying to load nine turkeys and two of the big toms were, they were tough. And I, I've got it on video. I'll get it out eventually. I might have to put it on TikTok because I would ha they were so big. I would walk them over to the pickup truck, hoist them up, and that's when they start flapping real hard. And I'm hanging on, and they're spinning me around <laughs> and getting away. <laughs> and I'm going, ah! I actually had to call my neighbor and say, um, sir, this is a really strange request, but can you come help me for about 10 minutes, catch some turkeys? <laughs> and he did. I was very grateful, but it kicked my butt. My arms were wobbly for like 12 hours after that. <laughs> but they're in, my, they're in my uh, chest. They're, they're in the ice chest outside now waiting for me to break them down. Yeah. Like you said, those things would be like 40, 50 pounds. They're, they're no joke. And they can fit. Yeah, they, they, uh... they were big enough. I was going to say one of them almost broke my buddy's finger when we were slaughtering some, you know, when it went to flap its wings. So I took a spur to the guys. face. I took a spur oh. across underneath my eye when I was flipping it over to put it in the cone. Dang I was it. Like, yeah. Was, Those were, spurs on that thing too are like two inches. Yeah. It was pretty, pretty nasty. It was like, so we're, we're working away and I just was like, whatever. And then Corey looked at me and I had like the, the blood like what? was like dripping down out of this long cut. And I was like, whatever. It's like, it's, it's fine. It's fine. We'll be, it's fine. They knocked my glasses off one time when I was feeding them and I couldn't find my glasses and they were in the feed bowl all covered with soaked oh, no. feed. <laughs> I found them. Well, for me, I, uh, let's see, what did we do this week? I, I rented a skid steer on the weekend. So my grand total experience in a skid steer before this weekend was probably a half an hour moving snow. I probably put 20, maybe, I don't know, 18 or 20 hours in it this weekend. So other than beating my body all to ratchet, I, I learned a, a new skill and I launched my patch of the month club, which is going to be my kind of membership support thing which is huge. And I've already had a ton of support. Thank you. <laughs> but that's going to be my thing. And uh, that's a, it's a big deal for me. I'm really excited. It's been, as you guys know, I've been talking and planning about it for a long time and uh, it went off with out a hitch. I want to say, uh, yeah. So, so far so good. Say, so, Hey, so we were talking in another group on telegram one the other day, a guy was talking about uh, like big boy toy land like uh where it's like a big open field of dirt and they have heavy equipment there like all the different oh, cool yeah. shit like a big excavator dump truck all that shit and uh you can go and rent you can pay time to use the shit you can't really mess anything up because you're out in the middle of a dirt field um but you can do that and then maybe have instruction too like if you want you can get taught how to do it i mean Nice. That's something I was like, yeah, blown away. I used to go to like the heavy equipment rodeos and uh, and stuff from vendors and they would do instructionals and then they had like a setup with all the new equipment and stuff. You could jump on and do whatever you want. I learned how to do a lot of the shit I did just by going to those and learning how to run the other equipment that I wasn't like I was I was running an excavator at work, but I was going and learning how to run different stuff at the rodeo. And, uh, yeah, I was like, man, open that shit up. Maybe once a month, 
every other weekend, something like that. I think that place would be packed. Oh, that would be fun. Be a bit of an upfront cost, but man, that would be fun. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw. I think they got one in Dallas, and then uh, one other place. It was a guy on Shark Tank that did something like that with the big, and he just rented them all. So they yeah. rented the land, and it was all dirt, like you said, or sand, and then they rented all the equipment. So actually, their input cost wasn't that much. Yeah, insurance and, and like, rental. Yeah. What a nice low-tech yeah. way to learn it, too. Man, because that's the worst thing. Like, I'm totally fine if nobody's watching me. I can sit there and frig up a bunch of times, you know, and then, uh, then I get comfortable. But if you got somebody sitting there watching you, you know, it's like, yeah. So, yeah, that'd be a pretty neat kind of low-stress way to do it. Well, I like to dick around with the stuff and see how far I can push it and see what I can learn myself <laughs> as I'm learning. Cause then you really get a feel for the equipment. Like if you just take it and use it instead of somebody telling you, this is what you do. Like you get your natural feel. Yep. I run a lot of different machinery and there's all a different feel to it. Forklifts, excavators, lulls, all that shit is all different. And to be able to, to experience it and feel it and uh, visualize what's happening as you do it uh, without somebody telling you is invaluable. Yeah, that, that's a smart idea to rent awesome. the machines. Mm. <laughs> well, and, and instead of paying the overhead to buy them, that's smart to rent them out. A couple million dollar machines. Oh, I know. That's, that'd be a lot of money to put out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just want to say on Tim's uh, Patch of the Month Club, yeah, I did go ahead. I signed up for that already, and the, it was very easy to sign up, by the way. It, it took a second. To, there was a little bit of a little difference than uh, normal sign-up features, but and those those first couple of patches look awesome, by the way, too. Yeah, so he's I know I'm excited for it. I got, that might be what it is. I got four more uh, off and uh, ordered. So, yeah, so we got six six months worth of designs in the pipeline now. And lots lots of other ideas awesome. coming. But, yeah, so you guys are going to have some totally fun patches for sure. But thank you. That's cool. That's real cool. And uh, we need to give a special shout-out and a correct and congratulations uh, today to one of the fellow uh, fire starters. Uh, had, a, had a baby. I don't know how else, to, how else to put it. I guess that's the easiest way. And we just want to give her a shout out and say congratulations to Buddy. So I'm sure everybody knows she's talked about it on the show. So it was the only one that was pregnant. I don't think Tim is. Are you? No, I honestly. You, you said you just lost like 15, 20 pounds. So overnight, right? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a baby. But, yeah, definitely want to give a shout out to her. And, uh, I guess let's get started on this show and uh, find out how we can, because I got a weird background here because I'm covering up a hotel room because I'm actually on vacation right now, just to let everybody know. So this is a subject that's very near and dear to my heart because I just went through it like two days ago. So here's the first question to go around. Uh, we'll go clockwise again. It's just the easiest. Uh, what's the longest you went away from your homestead or business? And how did it work out? Was it a give me your your long like your longest one? If you did a two week trip or a three week trip away, uh, yeah, how'd that turn out for you? And they, our our first one was five or six days. We went down to Tennessee to go see my mom, and we had uh, Aaron's parents come here and babysit all the animals for us. Uh, it went okay. I mean, we spent probably a couple hours over a few weekends. Uh, you know, teaching them how to do stuff and what to feed everybody and 
we also tried to automate stuff as much as we could so they didn't have to do too much. Uh, biggest thing is we automated the water on the rabbits. That's less of a stress dealing with that two or three times a day. Uh, so we always just get out there and feed them. And then uh, the, only, the only issue that we had was they fed the rabbits the wrong feed. Uh, not a big deal. They, they feed were like at least cow feed? No, they fed them cracked corn instead oh. of the pellets. But they were at it's least going through and picking up uh, leaves and dandelions and stuff like that, putting it in with them. So they at least had something to eat while we were gone. <laughs> well, I realized that when we got back. But other than that, it went great. And then the uh, second trip out was, uh, I think, four or five days. And that was uh, the girls stayed back. And actually, the girls were in charge of uh, running everything on the homestead. And they did a pretty good job with that. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, Brian. Uh, zero. Zero days. Zero days. Oh. Six years. Uh, six is years. that because of the homestead? Six years we didn't leave together for uh, overnight until we shut everything down uh, when we decided to move. Uh, one of us was here. We always had customers. We we sold stuff from the farm almost on a daily basis. We had pretty much a hatchery going on with with hundreds of birds hatching every Sunday. Uh, huge garden, rabbits, chickens, quail, all of it. And I couldn't I couldn't ask somebody to do that for me. So. Um, so, so it, part of the reason you didn't, neither, both y'all didn't leave together was because of the, the farm activity. The farm and the business. Yeah, it was like both. Yeah. So, yeah, that was, gotcha. it, that was the reason. Uh, as soon as we scaled everything back and kind of shut everything down as we were winding up, uh, we did go away together. Uh, it was the first time we, we went away together all the time before we bought the farm. And then as soon as we uh, amped up and stuff, yeah, I, I wasn't going to ask somebody to do it. I wouldn't expect anybody to do that. So, No, that, I mean, that makes total sense. And I mean, I get it, especially when you got that much going on and that much that also that could be going wrong. Oh, Alicia? Uh, a um, couple of times we've left. One time a couple of years ago, we went on a, on a vacation and, and we were trying to do the automation thing. And uh, we borrowed a deer feeder and set it up in the middle of where all the birds were. And that would have worked, but we didn't set it with enough feed. So I think the birds were underfed while we were gone. And uh, so we just had a girl come once a day to make sure that there was water and, and stuff. But yeah, the I think we lost one bird during that one, and then um, I did. We just try to automate as much as possible and, and consolidate. It's amazing whenever when you go through doing your farm setting stuff, you keep expanding and keep going and going, and then when you got to go away, you go, "Ooh, I need to draw it in." And so you 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 try to sit there and figure out what you can do to make it more automated and and uh, more reliable for whomever's coming in to take care of them. Can you hear my AC? Only when you're not talking. When, when you're okay, not so talking, I need to make sure it's on mute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No worries. Okay, that'll work. Okay. Yeah, for us, that's yeah for us. Uh, last what was it, April when we went to LFTN for the spring workshop? It's the first time we took a vacation in five years since we started the business. 
that was a huge step for us because we both had our own businesses at the time and we did the best we could. You know, I, I'm, I set up a 24 hour on call line for my property management. That was a big thing. I made sure I had like another cell phone so that my employee could take care of that, had an extra set of keys put together. And then I just had to accept the fact that I was still going to get lots of phone calls and I just had to deal with them. I just needed to have someone in place to be able to, you know, there was actually a couple of occasions where my guy went to the big 12 unit and FaceTimed with me to show me what the issue was so I could talk him through it. But it worked and we did it for two weeks. And for Becky, it was an even bigger deal because she was just over a year into her daycare. And of course, I think it was like the very last day we were on the road. The It was their very first surprise inspection that they got when she wasn't there. So that was nerve wracking. They, they did fine. But of course, you know, we, we it was a huge struggle getting our businesses to a place where we could leave them for, I think we were 16 days. So it, it was, yeah, it was a good trip, but uh, we, we learned a lot and made some mistakes for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. 60. I mean, it's 16 days. That's, that's a long haul right there. Uh, the go away. And uh, with us, I mean, um, for the last, I guess, six, seven years, you know, we basically been going on vacation two or three times a year for a week. So have we kind of already knew that was going to happen. And the same, I try to put in the, like we had one, one of my most successful ones that was also a total fail, I guess, in a way. Cause I usually like to have somebody come over at least, you know, check on everybody, pick up the eggs, that kind of stuff. And, uh, my buddy that was supposed to come over and do all that. Uh, he never showed up at all. He forgot all about it. But, uh, luckily before I'd left, I'd had uh, automatic waters, uh, where the water hose actually had a timer. It would actually refill the chickens, uh, outside water. And then I put in a 55 gallon drum for a gravity feeder for the chickens. So it could fit almost a hundred pounds of feed in that thing. So they had a hundred pounds of food and they had constant water every day. And that, that little water system had been running for, you know, a month or two before that. And yeah, I came home and I, I had like 40 eggs in there. I called him up and I was like, dude, uh, did you come get these eggs? And he's like, oh crap. <laughs> he forgot all about it. But like I said, you know, they still had food left. They had the water was full. And at the time, all we had was, uh, I can't remember, 15, 20 birds, something like that. So. That, you know, that really made a difference having that kind of planning in there. And uh, I know everybody's kind of touched on it some already, but uh, this is the big one. Uh, how have you added automation to your business and your homestead for those kind of leaves up, leave of ab absences? Uh, because they don't only just do that, but they also just free up your time in general on a day-to-day -day basis when you have the automations in place. And like I said, I have the automations in place when I leave usually. But I still want somebody to come by and check on it because things can break. I mean, Tim knows things breaking out of working house all the time, you know, that are supposed to be good. Uh, Nate, you kind of touched on some of the automation and different things you put in. Just, uh, I don't know, like, in, is it automatic waters or do you have automatic feeders? What kind of things? And how long can it run on its own? So we have uh, an 18-gallon tank for the rabbits. And that's good for about a week uh, with our guys. Um, so it's usually... I'll check it every other day just to make sure nothing's gone wrong. And I'll go through and make sure uh, the nipples are all working on the water system just so they're actually getting water. And then uh, food-wise, you know, I, I didn't really tell them. I was going to ask, how do you check those, Nate? Can you show us? 
Yeah. How do you check the waters? Right here. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought those were the milkers, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, go on. Um, but with the uh the feeders, the uh chickens have a five gallon bucket that is usually we fill before we take off, and that'll go four or five days with the eight birds that we have. And then uh, their water system is uh, another five gallon bucket, basically, and it's same deal. I mean, they're they're usually good for anywhere from three to five days, depending on what time of year it is. Um, the rabbits themselves, if you fill their feeders up and fill the water up, they could probably go three days without a problem. You know, they will have enough feed in their feeders, and because I overbought the feeders just to make sure, so. The only ones would that would be the problem if I had a litter cro- close to butcher age, they go they go through the feeders pretty quick. So, but other than that, yeah, it's just automate your water and get big feeders. Brad, yeah, I mean, all my stuff we didn't we didn't go anywhere. We didn't automate enough that we were going to go somewhere, but that's how I got so much done was automating everything. And, um, we had a 55 gallon drum auto feed water system for our chickens that fed both sides of the coops. And it was all plumbed through the whole thing with nipple waters. We couldn't use that in the winter, but we kind of pared down birds in the winter anyway. So chores changed in the winter. Uh, when we were full out in the summer, like I would fill that thing up maybe, maybe once a week, maybe two times every three weeks or I don't know, like de- didn't really, not very often. And you could tell where it was cause it would sweat on the outside. So you'd just go down to collect eggs and you could tell how full the thing was. I was going to put a sight glass on it and I didn't get to it. I wanted to start using it. And I looked at it the one day and I was like, well, I could tell how full it is just a blue 55 gallon drum up on a stand and it gravity fed all the watering systems uh bulk feeders i never i didn't like to use them because i like to go down every day and feed the birds and be with the birds and inspect them and i had to go get eggs anyway uh so i didn't really do bulk feeding but i had plenty of them around here that i could have used uh if we were leaving uh yeah, the same with the rabbits. Like like Nate said, it's it's a matter of water, water f- being fed to them because they'll go through it quickly and then just a lot of food. Yeah, I was gonna ask you your opinion on the bulk feeders because I did notice, like like I said, I did that fifty five gallon trash can with the nozzles and stuff at the bottom mm-hmm. for a gravity feeder, and it, but it did attract a lot of mice. I noticed. I mean, I I, I, was I, I, I had a lot of waste out of every. Every, every bulk feeder I had, I, I always had a lot of waste. Um, mm-hmm. So they would dig it out. They would, uh, like rodents would get into it, whatever. I was always losing feed with bulk feeders. And then I realized I wasn't spending as much time with the birds because I was only going down to fill them every three days or four days. Um, I was just running down to grab eggs. I wasn't observing them. I wasn't like doing them justice. Like I had them in a pen because I was trying to protect them from predators, but it was, it was a, you know, 
I now that I'm going down there and feeding them, I had multiple feeders because I had multiple batches of birds. So it was going in at each one and laying out the feed and kind of observing the birds, grabbing the eggs, interacting with them. Um, you got to know their personalities and it was just relaxing to spend that time with the birds. So I took that extra 10 minutes a day. I mean, I, I, I thought that was valuable. Yeah, it's like the more automation you have when it comes to, you know, your food and your water the more you can kind of slack off on that. So the personal touch kind of does get lost some. I've noticed that too, because it's like, well, I can, I can just get the eggs tomorrow even, or, you know, like you said, just run down there real quick and you don't actually get to see, oh crap, that, that hen's been pecked, you know, really bad here, or that rooster's hurt or, you know, whatever it is, even if it's any kind of animal, the more personal time it's, you kind of got the more in depth. And uh, I'm waiting to hear Tim because I think that's going to be the same thing on the, on his kind of business as well. Let me go ahead. Uh, well, I was or waiting for you, but I was going to have Thesea. Yeah. Go ahead. Your turn. <laughs> well, I'm not going to lie. I don't have anything automated at all. And it shows. And it, actually, when we went on vacation this last spring, it was uh, it was kind of stressful because our weather had gone from rainy and chilly to straight hot and dry. And we had several water breaks in the uh, the systems you know all in our our water area and so we would go for a day or so with no water at all and several days with barely a trickle and i had a high school kid with add watching my birds and everything while i was gone so you know basically i told him if we have water fill everything completely to the top and if we don't watch them make sure at least they can get to some water somewhere and it worked out but i won't lie it was pretty stressful I think for us, at least when we used to, we used to have a lot of animals in homestead. We never took a vacation when we homestead because, well, I, number one, we couldn't afford it. And number two, we didn't have the time to do it. But for business, for me, I, I and anybody who starts a solopreneur kind of operation, the hardest part I think is hiring somebody and trusting them with it because I just didn't want to. So knowing your system, knowing your schedule, and then hiring someone and kind of having those systems in place, that's the best way to automate a business because I, I just didn't want to. I, I was so used to doing everything. And now this summer, I've barely touched a push mower because my guy, I finally have him out doing all of that. And that's freed up so much extra time. And then another thing I was thinking too, as far as business that on the content creation side of things, being a content creator, of course, when you're away for two or three weeks, you want to make sure that you've got that pipeline full before you leave. So that's extra work ahead of time, but that's a way to, to preload the content coming out and have it automated to just drop when needs be. Because sometimes when you're on vacation, you just don't have time or things just don't work out. Uh, you know, I, I live streamed maybe three times during those 15 days, but I had, I think I had six podcasts and four videos uploaded. So my whole schedule, the one thing I would have done differently is I would have made sure that I had enough content in the pipeline to last the week I was home as well. The first week back, because you know how everything goes sideways that week? I didn't do that, and so I ended up being a little rushed and stressed out. So that, that's what I'm going to be doing on my next 15-day trip when I'm going to North Carolina and Tennessee here in a month. Yeah, it's hard to believe it's only a month away. <laughs> I think you said that the other day, and I was like, wow, it really is like a month or so away. But... Uh, for us, yeah, like I said, I, I try to automate 
quite a bit. You know, we used to, we, I used, on my old coupe, I need to get all this back done at the new place. You know, the automatic uh, chicken door that went up and down with the dusk and dawn. And then uh, the water was automated. And then, like I said, I had a hundred, you know, right now we got, I think it holds about 20 or 25 pounds for the chicken feed. The goats I've been feeding every day because they, I like, for, I prefer them to eat off, you know, the grass off the land and stuff. And then the quail, I'm still trying to figure them out. I'm down to, I think, 10 out of like 40 something. So, yeah, I'm not a very good quail keeper at this point. But, you know, so I'm not really worried about automating that too much. I do have the five-gallon bucket into the little uh, chicken nipple things. So. What do you feed that, them? That helped. Quail food? <laughs> I mean, that's really what it is. Wild, uh, wild game and or bird, game bird and quail mix or whatever from the local meal i need to figure something out to kind of uh up the protein though i want to say starter. It's it. turkey starter check that out okay yeah we found game I... bird we found game bird finally was uh the purina made one couldn't get it organic couldn't get enough protein every time i fed them less protein they all died they all picked each other's fur, uh, feathers out they picked their i got that issue going on right now like off their heads yeah, they're mm-hmm. picking them to death. You know, like the the roosters mainly are the ones that are getting picked off the, the top of their heads and stuff. Yeah, so and I was if your uh, ratio of hens to roosters is off, that'll happen too. Well, I got all the roosters in one cage, and then the other two cages are like four hens and one rooster, and the other right. two. How I got extra roosters I haven't killed off. How old? Ten are weeks, they? eleven weeks, ten or eleven weeks. Oh, they'll kill each other. Don't worry about it. All right, they might all be dead when I get home. I bet I've got yeah. they might. <laughs> like I said, that, that's just that's part of it. You know, you're you're gonna lose animals until you learn how to how they work in your environment and your setup, honestly. But uh those quarternics. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Eight weeks, man. <laughs> hey, yeah. Well, I want I was that was the plan for most of them, but most of them died. A lot of it was the heat. In the in that coop was it? I needed to have a fan or something in there because mm-hmm. I mean I had the door open, the windows open, the coop hatch was open, and it, it just wasn't no airflow in that thing. So th- I mean that's one thing for automation right there is you know as far as yeah. turning that fan on and off, I thought a little solar setup or something for it so that way you know something I don't have to really worry about even if the power goes out, they still got cool air coming in. But yeah, we definitely prefer to do the automation. And then the other big thing we do before we left, like we got people that come down, my sister-in-law is coming down to check on everybody and every day and stuff. But before I left, I topped everything off. All the waters were full to the top. All the feeders were full to the top, filled extra feeders and extra water. So all they have to do is grab another water off the shelf on top of the quail cage, stick it in, take the old one out. You know, I got three or four of them there. So that way, try to make things as easy as possible for someone else to take care of that stuff because you know yeah like our you know we're not paying ours but even if you're paying them or anything the easier it is the better job they're going to do and then um that kind of almost leads me right into the next question if you do or have used a tear cake tear caker or what's the word uh employee i guess like you were saying tim i think you got one employee now or two uh how did you go about basically training them? Because I actually had one guy in the past that was going to come over and do, you know, take care of all my animals and stuff. And he's like, all right, well, what all do I need to do? And instead of me trying to write it all down or explain it over the phone, I literally just made a YouTube video I said, Hey, here's my daily routine on the homestead. I walked out the front door and I walked around 
And, you know, I was like, here we go. You know, and I got, went to the, got the feed and got the, you know, fed the animals and fed the, collected the eggs and showed him where all the feed was and everything. So kind of worked out good. So uh, how have you trained your tear cake, or employee? Did you use videos, walkthroughs in person, notes? Uh, what seemed to work the best for you? Nate? Uh, we always did walkthroughs. So we had the, uh, uh, Aaron's parents come over three or four times at different points and we would walk them through what we would do for that part of the day. So like they came over in the morning or spent the night or something and we'd walk them through the morning routine with the chickens and the, and the rabbits. And then, you know, going out checking the eggs about midday, we'd tell them what time that was normally is about four or five o'clock. And then uh, at night, just the final checks and feed and all that stuff and then feed the rabbits. But the girls, they have the system down because they're kind of the ones that handle it now. Like if I go out and tell them to feed the feed the rabbits or feed the hens, you know, they're pretty good at doing it. Um, they don't really deal with the chickens that much because the way we got it set up, that's a little goofy. Uh, they're kind of in an outside run. And you got to go through the outside run to get into the actual coop where all the food is. And uh, the doors are pretty close to each other. So we're always kind of worried they'll sneak out. because so we can't free range here, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I, I would say for us, walkthroughs. And then we always have a phone on us. Just get a hold of us. If you got a question, just ask. And we'll walk you through it. We never had anybody come and uh, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> How would you have if you did? No, 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 what do you think would be no, the no, best? No. So, we, so we actually put together binders for all the different things on the farm. Um, that was a minimum, like keep shit alive. So if we got in a car accident or for some reason had to go out of town. Uh, that was unplanned somebody could come here and we had those binders where they could go okay chickens this is what i have to do and it was bare minimum like get them through it so that we can get back like a, a three-day bag basically um they weren't going to be thriving by any means because we ran like you know two weeks worth of food so if we were a day before going to get feed like i had low rations in there everything so somebody didn't have to do a lot of shit and then, yeah, that was just going to get us through if we if there was an emergency. So basically, like a SLP. Yep, pretty much. Yeah, yeah see, and see, go ahead. I was going to say that's one thing I've been wanting to work on. It kind of sounds like Nicole's do not kill list. So yeah, her, yeah, her list of stuff. Here, here's what you do not to kill the thing. <laughs> yep, that yep. does bare sound better. Minimum, than bare minimum to keep them alive till I get back. If you want to do more, you can, but <laughs> go weed the garden. Thesia, what do you how do you teach people or, or you said that uh you had somebody helping you out? How'd you teach them? Most of the time for in previous years, I just had someone that usually they have their own homestead, so they got a little bit of sense about them when I do a walkthrough with them. Uh with this most recent kid, and I always do a write-up of some sort. I I make a list of everything, exactly how much feed, exactly how much, you know, everything that needs to be done. And I put it in one of those plastic sleeves and I post it up. And then uh, like with this kid, I made, I made him read it back to me and 
and make sure he understood what what was going on and stuff and uh, and I did two walkthroughs with him just to be sure and uh, that seemed to work out pretty good but having having written instructions with how much feed you give to different animals and in plastic and posted where they can see it and can refer to it uh, has worked out well for me. See, I, I like that. I like that even for myself because there's sometimes where you kind of learn what they like or how much they eat in one day if it's something you're wanting to feed every day so you have less waste. And yeah, that, that little, I need to get some of those little sleeves because putting that by there and be like, okay, the goats get one scoop of this, 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 and this or whatever the mix and ratio is. That's an awesome idea. I like it. Tell them how'd your training go? Or I was just yeah. um, a different example for us. We we've got a bunch of dogs, as you know, and uh, so in the past, about five years ago, when we we took our last vacation before we started our businesses, we had a lady come and pet sit for us. So we put a binder together, each animal with a picture, printed a picture out with their name, the things they liked, the food they needed, that kind of stuff. And now we've hired recently a couple of teenage girls that come and do it so they came over a couple of times before we left give them a training you know introduced them to each animal showed them where their food was and all of that and that seemed to work really well but the uh the binder thing was great it worked so well becky put that together and she had yeah that the person just they just felt comfortable with the animals because i mean it's easy to forget things like that oh it definitely is and uh Here's a comment here. One vacation cost me a 20-year friendship. They said, oops, you got a debt or a loss. And uh, that's something to keep in mind, I, I think, that I definitely keep in mind. Like I said, with quell, I got a feeling I'm going to come home and probably have four or five more dead quell. I'm not going to blame it on the person that's watching them or feeding them. I, I, I expect, you know, to have some losses here and there on certain ones. You know, if you lose a chicken here or there, or quell, you know, the bigger the animal and the more pricier the animal, that you have or like Tim there with his business and Brian where he was selling all that stuff like those things you know that's a little bit bigger deal so you want to put a lot more effort I guess into who you have and you'd be almost hiring someone as a job more than uh just coming over to watch so I would definitely keep that in mind before I ever let somebody on a whim come over you know if I if I couldn't handle a, a total loss or something like that of them really screwing it up um, one of the other things I don't, I don't think anybody's mentioned yet is, uh, I put in cameras. I don't know about y'all. So that way, uh, like I said, I, I had that friend that was supposed to come over and never showed up. Uh, so, you know, I think I even texted him once and just never got a response. Just figured he forgot to text me back. But, uh, so that way, if they're, you know, if I got a camera pointing at the coop or pointing at the driveway, I know they showed up. Uh, that gives me peace. You know, you don't, that way you're not calling them every day or checking in on them. I just get a motion sensor alert. Oh, someone opened the garage door. All right. So I know that, you know, somebody's there feeding the goats or checking on the, the property. Plus, uh, just going out of town with the homestead in general. Uh, I've actually seen some videos where people have gotten their chicken stolen or people coming in at night and stealing the eggs out of the coop and stuff like that. You know, I'm assuming this is more uh, residential, less country places, mm -hmm. but, you know, cameras things like that to me those are um big safety you know as much as keeping them alive keeping them safe and making sure everything's going good on the homestead uh anybody else use anything like cameras motion sensors or uh like with your automation where you can see if it's going on or off you know with like yeah. smart devices nate you use some of those 
Yeah, we have a, a camera system up, DVR records for a couple of weeks. And then also, um, I know this is probably a little over the top, but we lock everything, even each individual cage with the rabbits. Everything is locked up. The chickens are locked up at night. You know, we have the set of keys that we take out, unlock everybody, go out at night, lock them all up. Uh, the cameras are going 24-7, recording 24-7. And then I have a uh, camera on the rabbits that will notify me whenever there is movement of the two-legged kind. So anytime the girls walk back there, it will pick up their body temperature and throw me alert on my phone. But it won't pick up any small animal or anything like that. So that's kind of how the setup we have. And so, yeah, that makes sure you can check on, make sure they're doing their chores even, I guess. So I didn't even think about that part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I didn't use any of that stuff. Me neither, but I like the idea of having a camera. I, I guess, I mean, I had driveway alarms. Well, uh, that's that's a start. Uh, yeah. What did I, I mean, have Because I'm walk, assuming man. maybe... <laughs> I got tons of cameras uh, the, on the camper in the truck now, so I mean, it so is so you you weren't paranoid, but now you are, is what you're here telling us. No, I didn't. I didn't have any Wi-Fi signal or anything down where any of my animals were, so there was no. I wasn't going to pay a cell bill to do a Wi-Fi camera, or and I had limited power in those buildings, so I did what I had to do. And uh, I mean, somebody was always here, always here. And we were on the end of a dirt road with two other people, so. If anybody came down that road that we didn't know, we knew about it. <laughs> no spike strips or anything? Well, you know, Not depends if the neighbors are around. You're going to have, you know, plausible deniability. <laughs> yeah, the, well, DC, you said, oh, go ahead, Nate. The biggest problem that we have on our street, since we live in kind of a residential area, if you look at the overhead map of our place, it looks like the lane that we have next door is a street that goes all the way through out of town but it's not and we get a lot of people that come flying up this hill go pull in the neighbor's driveway and try and go around the house and then realize it's just a wooded lot back there and you're not getting through so that's <laughs> one of the reasons why we have the cameras out front and we've picked up some stuff you know but we pretty much know all the vehicles that are here. I know all the vehicles that are going to be showing up at the neighbor's house. He and I talk constantly about who's coming. And as soon as, if I see something I don't like, I'll shoot him a text message right away. And he'll let me know if that's the person that's showing up or not. You know, same here. If he notices something out, out of place at our house, he'll text me and give me a heads up as well. I like the idea of cameras, um, but at the same time, a couple of years ago when that Pokemon Go was, was so uh, popular, we had people that we were on a 40-acre plot that's pretty wide open, and these idiots would pull up in our driveway and spotlight our spotlight our uh, property at 3 o'clock in the morning, and I really wanted one of those laser beams so I could just point it at their chest, but I wasn't sure if it was legal, so I didn't do it. Shotgun into the air does a lot to persuade them to go hunt Pokemon somewhere else. I was just wondering if Pokemon come out at night. Is that why they were doing it? I, I don't know. I don't know what the best time of day to hunt them is. 
Can you jack them like a deer? I don't have any idea. Some video game that you you travel around and see them. <laughs> so for us, we uh, we yeah, I forgot about cameras, Hawk. We have cameras all around the house, so we can see the backyard, the driveway. I've got a uh, Wi-Fi Bluetooth opener on the garage door, so if somebody needs to get in or out of the garage. And a lot of this came from a couple of years ago. We went away for any uh, for a night. We got back around supper time, and my garage door was wide open before we had a automated system for it. Couldn't figure it out. I had no idea what caused it. I went back through the cameras, found it, and some sort of interference just caused it to open automatically. The neighbor's daughter was riding her bike in the backyard or in the back alley, and all of a sudden you can see the garage door open up, and she's like, and then ran in the house. So <laughs> it was good to have. It gave me peace of mind knowing that I didn't have somebody around, but we can also check on the dogs if we're away, you know, make sure that they've been put in at night like the pet sitters are supposed to do, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, the cameras are a huge help for sure. I'll tell you how spoiled I am. We don't even lock our – well, we lock our doors now, and the only reason we lock it is because my 120-pound uh, Great Pyrenees dog had figured out how – I've got the kind of door handles where all you do is just push them. as like for handicapped people. He has learned how to open the door so he can get inside in the air conditioning. So, yes, I now lock my doors. So now we have all spoiled our security measures, and you're going to have to change them. <laughs> I mean, if I had Pokemon running around in my field, I'd lock my doors too. So <laughs> they, they, they be There's still more to the cameras, so don't worry about that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, like Tim said, uh, with those garage doors now, like you can literally, if somebody was, you know, hey, you at my house? All right, hold on. Boom, I can hit a button, sends the Wi-Fi signal through everything, and garage door opens up. And so you don't have to give them a code. Like you don't have to do the temporary code or whatever like that. You can just open it for them on the fly, and that's really awesome for as far as letting people in and out. And then, uh, you know, we have like for the house, we don't do keys. We do the, well, it's got keys, but we got the touch button, door locks and stuff, so... If somebody's going to be coming in and out and I want to give them a temporary code so that way I can do that while they're there, then delete it. I think, you know, those kind of measures, just, it makes it easier because, you know, but you shouldn't really have somebody coming by that you don't trust, honestly. I guess with a business, it's a little different, but I don't know. When If you're going to be coming in my backyard into my homestead, I hope, you know, we're all about building community. And I think that's a big part of this, too, is if you built the right community, it, it is easier to find those kind of people. You know, um, I got my brother-in-law and sister-in-law. They're coming down to do it. You know, like I said, I, in the past, I've had friends come and do it. Hopefully one day when the kids are older, they'll they'll be able to pull it off. So I really, uh, yeah, that's my big thing with that. All right. Um, here's one of the last ones, and then we'll, we'll just kind of have a little bit of free-for-all once this one's done, I guess. Uh what is your, since most of us have done this quite a few times now, you know, going on vacation, leaving, what is the biggest tip you would give somebody doing it for the first time? Uh, you know, before they're actually, if they could do one, you know, your biggest tip of what you thought was the biggest help for, for leaving and having that sense of comfort so you can actually enjoy that vacation as well. So for, for me, it's anything that, uh, think about everything that can go wrong. And then come up with a contingency for it. If you know you you worry about an animal dying, tell them how to handle it. Either 
you know, throw it in the garbage or throw it to the coyotes or whatever, you know, just handle it. Or if there's an injured animal, you know, here's how you handle it. If you can't handle it, just let it be there. You know, it's make sure they have all their feed, you know, spend the time and teach them how to do everything. You know, it's, if they have any questions, give them a cell phone number, you know, or an email or something, you know, that you can check if you don't have cell service. Consider buying traveler's insurance. I don't know. I didn't go on vacation. <laughs> but if you did, what do you think would make you comfortable for leaving your house? Um, yeah, I don't know. Like selling all the, selling all the animals and selling the house and then getting a travel trailer and making up for the missed vacations for the last how many years? Six years. Yeah. See, I mean, that's kind of what you're doing. Well, yeah. And we're going to do it different when we do it again. Um, and yeah, it'll all be built to, to where that I could have somebody come and watch it. Part that time. was going to be one of my one of my other questions is, is since you're because you plan on getting another homestead in the future, correct? Yeah. So way, yeah. your next one, you you want to actually build in the ability to to leave and to have those vacations. I'm assuming on the next one that you're going to plan that into the building of it. Yeah, I don't think I don't think we're going to go full scale on anything. I think we're going to try to uh, do other things uh, for income, okay. and we're just going to do that to sustain ourselves so it'll be at a much smaller level so be easier to take and care of probably do more more modern yeah more automation setting things up where you know they, they're going to be able to make it so like you don't you don't plan a vacation during the middle of um uh, what, what are the the frankenstein chickens you know when you're raising around of them oh cornish cross uh, yeah, yeah the cornish cross you know you don't want to be raising around of them where you're moving them every day and have a vacation right in the middle of it you know, so planning, you know, killing off, mo you know, most of your animals, except for your breeders, and then going on vacation, I think would be a, a good way to plan that, you know, yeah, in your low times. Sure. Yeah, we plan pretty much the whole summer around us having meat birds. So there's a method to that madness. Right. Alicia, uh, what would you uh, be your best tip for somebody that wanted to go on vacation? Make it as easy as possible for them. And like you were saying, don't, don't have Cornish crosses going. Don't have uh, too many animals going. And I understand that you can't always plan when you have to get away. But if you're planning it, you need to plan how you're going to do your animals. Because uh, I have animals I keep year around and I have stuff that I only keep, you know, just a few weeks before they, they go to the uh, freezer camp. And I try to plan when I don't and I don't want them to have to take care of little bitty chicks and stuff, too. If, if, if I've got a, a batch. And this year I had to uh, plan my incubation periods around uh, vacation too. I didn't want anything about to hatch or even in the incubator at all when I went on vacation. So yeah, make it as easy as possible for them with as few chores as possible so they can get in there and get out and get on with their life. That's an awesome tip. Tim? I'd say two things. Number one, don't be afraid to pay somebody to do this stuff because you're going to get better don't I, not I'm not slamming on anyone else, but don't rely on a guy. You know, we we pay all we pay. They're worth every penny. But for the pet sitters that we bring in, they're they're not 
cheap. They're not expensive, but they're not cheap, but they're worth every penny. So don't be afraid to pay somebody to do some of this stuff for you because you'll have better peace of mind. And there's more, you know, um, accountability there too. But the other tip I would say, the big one is don't let, don't let all of this get in the way of taking of a vacation. You know, of course, the first year or two you start a business, you're probably not going to get to take a vacation, but don't let, you know, this, the, the fear of, you know, what might go wrong, keep you from going on vacation. Because here's the thing, shit's going to go wrong and you can still deal with it when you're away. You just have to be open to dealing with it and coming up with solutions because we did that. We were three years, we didn't take a vacation. And then something happened in March, 2020 that basically stopped us all from vacationing for a couple of years. And so then we're sitting there kicking our butt saying, why didn't we take a vacation in the last year or two? And simply because we just didn't put the systems in place and we were too insecure to do it. So don't let it get in your way for sure. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, in my head, the reason that we start our own business or we have a homestead is to make our life a little better. And if we do that and then we can't ever get away and have fun and take those vacations or those getaways, it's almost like you're doing the opposite. And then uh, to what Tim said, uh, somebody told me one time, I can't remember how the story exactly went, but uh, basically when you say you don't have, you know, you don't have time to do that or you don't have time to, to stop and do whatever. And, you know, they said, well, what if you walked out of your door, fell and broke your hip and you were bound up in a chair for the next, you know, four months? Yeah, you don't have a choice at that point, right? So you, you can make the time because if you have to make the time, you will. Like you said, the vacation may not be a vacation. It may be going away for the weekend to take care of a loved one or whatever, you know, so you got to have those things in place. Um, so that's where this next one's going to come around. And uh, if you had to do it over again or going forward, are you putting more thought into making the homestead run itself and the business run itself more? So those are easier to get away. It's like Brian said, you know, they probably, they didn't really plan that into their, uh, First time around, they built it so big that they were locked in. So is that something you would consider, Nate, kind of taking those considerations in before you go buy, you know, a hundred head of cattle or anything like that? Well, I don't want to automate it too much to the point where I get lazy and complacent. You know, I still want to be able to get out and check on everything and eyeball stuff. You know, really with the rabbits, I check on them usually when I get home from work and then once before I go to bed and then in the morning, I'll make sure everybody's still breathing. But for the most part in the morning, I don't feed them and I don't check the water because I'm running out of it. You know, I get up 10 minutes before I got to run out the door and go to work. Cause I'm sorry. I need sleep. Cause you're a man. Yeah. I mean, that's, that, that's reality. Um, go to bed earlier. Yeah. Easier said than done. <laughs> My wife and I would like to spend a little bit of time together. <laughs> oh, I said them those kids. That's the thing. Yes, it is the kids. I mean, they go to bed at uh, what is it, eight o'clock usually, and then uh, Aaron and I are usually sitting down here hanging out watching TV, and that goes till ten to midnight, depending on what we're watching and if we get lost in time. And then I'm up at five in the morning to go to work. So, you know, it's. Half the time I'm hard pressed to remember grabbing my lunch walking out the door. So one less thing to deal with is uh easier. 
Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna scale things back on the homestead side and just make it easier for someone to help. But that's something that we're we're uh, open to doing for people at, at the moment when we're as we're looking for a, a property or whatever we're gonna be doing is is helping them to be able to stay and take a vacation. If somebody's interested in that, we we're open to coming and taking care of your stuff because I mean that's what I've done for the last. 10 years, eight years, whatever. I have to admit, before we got custody of my granddaughters, and she's a teenager now, we had gotten away from going on trips. It's easy to get complacent and go, ah, I don't need to go anywhere. I got things I got to do. But when we got custody of Kinsey, I, it became important to me that she got to see some things that she ne had never seen before and experience things that she had never seen before. So I was going to do what it took to change my schedule, to do what it, whatever my plan was for my homestead. I was going to have to work around Kinsey so she would have some experiences before she got out of the world on her own. So uh, whether it's automation, whether it's just 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 an attitude toward the whole thing, I, I wanted to make sure that she got Otherwise, I'd still be here. I'd be, I'd, I'd be like Brian. I'd be home for six. Well, I don't think so. I like to go. I'm, I'm kind of explored. Now, my husband, he would stay home for six years doing nothing, but not me. I'm going to get out there and do something. I'd say a couple of things. You know, have a, have a goal in mind for us. Our long-term plan. Well, we're shooting for right away in the next year or two to be able to be away from everything for a month in one chunk. So we're working, you know, I've been kind of shaping my business to be more, more, you need to be there, but some of the things only have to be done when they need to be done. Like property management, you only need somebody when you get a phone call as opposed to 75 different odd jobs that require a little bit of different skill or knowledge, you know? So those kind of things I can keep my worker to do. And then when we were talking about, you know, regretting not traveling, I wanted to tell this story. One of my very second customer, she, she's still my customer to this day and I love her to death. I told her one day that I was going to try to go on a vacation, but we weren't sure if we were going to make it. And she came out and she almost got ugly with me, not in a bad way, but she, she said, you know, my husband told me for 15 years that he was going to take me somewhere and we never made it because his business always got in the way. And then one day the guy was on a treadmill and dropped dead. And she was 50 years old and they had never gone anywhere simply because the business was always in the way. She said, you make sure you take Becky everywhere and anywhere you ever can. Because she said, you just never know when your, your time's up, right? Which is whatever. But for her to tell me that story that it happened to her, I've kind of, that really lit a fire under my ass to start traveling and do more stuff. Because it's so easy to just use your business. Like you said, Hawk. We're building it for independence that we want our own freedom, but it becomes another chain around your neck and around your leg. So build in that freedom and then get the hell out there and explore. Yeah, that's that's the same thing here. Like like I said, we added the quail. We've added the goats this year. And uh, I really should have just picked one of the two. But, you know, it hasn't went too bad between the two of them. You know, I've only got a few of each. And like I said, if all the quail die, all the quail die. I'm not going to be upset. The goat's diet's holding the story. That's a lot of money into them. But, you know, uh, you know, I was been thinking about, you know, how big do I want to make this, you know, if I do how many goats I want to get and stuff like that. And honestly, I'm cool with three three females, you know, and if they all have twins, 
that's that's more than enough. We'll raise them, they'll kill them all off, sell them all off. But I don't want a herd of a hundred or you know anything like that. I'm thinking ten or fifteen is more than enough, you know, at, at the max. And then we sell them all down, you know, and we do try to plan things around when we, you know, there's three times a year we usually take a vacation, and those are the three, you know, times I make sure I don't have any of the meat birds. I don't have, you know, I don't want any of that stuff. And like DC was saying, you know, Bert, you know, if I do get into the quail more, the hatching, you know, I'll plan all that stuff out and make sure it's clumped together into one section and leave those other sections of the year open because I don't want that chain of holding us down so uh has anybody got anything else we're right on the hour mark um we'll go around real quick anybody got any last thoughts to add or anything else they wanted to bring up or have thought about during this yeah i mean it's for for us this is the first year we've actually taken a vacation um you know it's the first time aaron and i have been away from the kids and our oldest is nine youngest is five so for us to be able to get that handled and have all the animals here and not have that issue has been kind of nice because reality Aaron and I need to take a step back and get to get you know get with each other and have a little bit of fun and that's that's what it comes down to you know the and the final vacation this year so I get three weeks of vacation so I'll take one more week with and we'll, the girls and I will probably go camping so Aaron and the and the kids will probably go figure out somewhere to go camp or maybe hit up a hotel hotel or have a little bit of fun. And then we'll have the in-laws over again, but they already know how to do everything, so we don't have to worry about having that. I mean, you want to have somebody that you trust and somebody who has also performed in the past. If they're half-assing it, then don't bother calling them back. That's reality. Yeah, I think definitely on that note there, uh, once you've been doing it a while and you got that, if you use that same caretaker over and over and over, they're going to learn it. They're going to, you know, even if you're adding one thing, you got the same person. They've already known a bunch of it. So I, I would say uh, as time goes on, it would be easier. Yeah, I uh, I hear you guys talking about getting away and going places and all that stuff. That's what I was building here. I didn't need to go away. If I could have not had to go to my job, my 40 or 60 or whatever hour week job, and I was able to be here on this homestead on the end of a dirt road in a town with 200 people, I didn't need to go anywhere. I didn't want to go anywhere. Where do I want to go? (laughs) Now I'm going to go travel around and see a bunch of stuff. But at the time, this is where I wanted to be. It was what was satisfying to me. I don't think think being anywhere else would have, um, it would have felt awkward and not comfortable and I probably wouldn't have enjoyed it. Yeah. The first two years that that I lived out here on the property, I didn't go anywhere unless I had to uh, at all. It was kind of a two years of healing and kind of refocusing and stuff. And if, but uh, now that I feel better, I've got a storm coming through. So yeah, you may lose me, (laughs) but um, uh, if anybody's been following me at all, you know that I end my video saying live, until you die and if you if living is on your property then that's fine but if you if it's but if it's more than that do that too keep your options open and live i like i don't watch television anymore except for i love funny home videos and i watch oklahoma football you know i am a football fan 
but on that I got I'm busy I got things to do and I've got and, and I'm not gonna be sitting there watching television but I don't yeah. own one Thesia. I don't own a TV I wouldn't either but I'm married so you know <laughs> so am I <laughs> sorry I just you said you don't watch TV I was like yeah me neither they're like but I watch America's funniest videos and Oklahoma football and I was like oh she's got a TV <laughs> yeah I do yeah we gotta gotta watch Oklahoma football boomer <laughs> Yeah, I would say the big thing is build the life you want. You know, at one time, I honestly, when when we lived down Digby Neck, the, the old house, we lived on the water. I could go weeks without going to town because that at that point in my life, that is where I was happy. And when we came out here, I kind of rediscovered my desire or love for travel. And for me, building this content creation thing and getting it to a point where it's paying the bills and bringing in at least as much money as I need will allow me to be able to do this shit wherever I want to be. If I want to be in a hotel with a back backdrop or I want to spend a, a month a year down in Tennessee or six months of the year down there, it we can do it. And I love it. That That's the freedom I'm looking for. But yeah, just build the life you want, whatever it happens to be. Yeah, I totally got to agree with everybody. And uh, Brian's answer is a little different, but I completely get that too because personally, I would be perfectly content and staying on my property. And that's what I wanted to build, a place I never wanted to leave from. But with the wife and the kids, they do want to go other places. No matter how much playground equipment I put in, no matter how much water stuff, you know, it's never going to be as good as the, the water park or Kentucky Kingdom or... Any of that know, kind of stuff. It all so. comes back to these these kids. It all comes back to these yep. kids. Yeah, I mean that's that that's a lot with <laughs> us. Our our kids are getting old enough where they want to see stuff. So that's you know, I have a big idea in my head for next year. You know, it'd, it'd be kind of fun to jump in the truck, go camp for two weeks, and go you know drive out west. Just jump in the truck and go. You don't know where you're going to end up, and just go have fun. My plan was to always drive Route 66, and 66 starts, uh, what is it, about 20 miles from my house. So that was always a start here in Chicago, and then it goes all the way out to L.A., if I remember. I don't think I want to go out that far, but you know, at least get out and see Utah and Colorado and drive through the mountains and see the Grand Canyon and just let the girls experience this because I never have. So... Yeah, I want to be able to give them as you know more than I was able to see and have a little bit of fun. So we got to find somebody to run the animals around here. You can come see me. I live about two miles from sixty six. Well, if we're passing through, we will definitely come see you. Yeah, my mom and dad, uh, like I said, they just came out here. Dad was sixty seven and had never been outside of. I don't know, as the crow flies, a couple hundred miles probably from his hometown. So, and the look on his face was like a little kid at Christmas when he got to see the Rockies. He got to see the, you know, the West Edmonton Mall, the Calgary Zoo, you know, the prairies, the canola fields, stuff he'd never seen in his entire life. And um, I can't remember who the author was, but they, I, I believe they said that uh, the best cure for prejudice is to travel. So to open your mind and see different things. And I mean, 
not that dad was prejudiced, but it was just good for him. He, for him, he just looked like a little kid and it was like, it just brought a whole bunch of life back in his face. And yeah, just you're never too old, but do it. I have to admit that whenever I get to feeling like I've got too many responsibilities, cause I'm supposed to be a grandma. I'm supposed to be having time on my own and that I toy with the idea of actually getting one of those sprint vans. Cause face it, I can't back up a big vehicle or a trailer. So I want something that I, that is small enough for me to be able to drive well, but it's big enough for me to be able to live in it. And I want to go down Baja California and back up the West coast and all the way across into Canada. Actually, I want to do, I want to do the Alcan in a vehicle that'll make it. Cause I did it in a 66 Chevy Impala and I had wheels fall off. The exhaust fell off. The gas tank fell off. <laughs> So I want I might want to do the Alcan again one day and then come down the East Coast and the Gulf of Mexico and I just that's I I might I might do that whenever I get all my kids raised. See, I'm just waiting for the 3D technology to come good enough where I can just you know the VR stuff and then I can just visit everywhere. <laughs> Be a nice day trip. All right, so we're just over an hour now. Uh, I think we pretty much wrapped it up. We got a lot of solutions there for uh, everybody. Seemed to be kind of the same and a little bit different on how they sustain their homestead and their business while they're away. I mean, there's no one solution, I think, for it all because we are kind of different in different scales on things. Um, you know, from the business to like Brian, where he had to, you know, a very large operation where he was feeding pretty much every, you know, everything he ate was from his own property plus selling surplus and then you got some you know i do a lot smaller setup so mine's a little bit easier and uh you know family and friends very close so it all it all just kind of differs but let's go around real quick and uh let everybody know who you are and where they can find you nate sure got uh, uh nate from two chicks homestead my wife and i do uh weekly podcasts uh, this week, uh, I actually just released the episode probably about three hours ago. Um, so that'll be, uh, it's one day early because we're doing something special. Uh, we have a giveaway that we are doing and you have to listen to the episode to see what the giveaway is. And we are giving away one book from Nicole sauce, her poultry processing book. And we are also giving away a six-inch flat pack from Special Operations Equipment. So you have to uh, listen to the episode and email us at info at twochickshomestead.com and let us know what your answer is. So we will uh, look forward to those emails and we will have the girls pick something fun on Sunday when we record the next episode. And then on uh, Tuesday or Wednesday next week, we'll uh, announce the winner and uh, get that shipped out. So that's what we're up to this week. That's awesome. Brian, where can we find you? Uh, Thelothproject.com and uh, youtube.com slash Happy Hills Homestead, I believe. Um, but if you search The Loth Project on YouTube, you'll bring it up. You'll be able to see my stuff uh Corey's grounded souls stuff and uh, baby walter and company linktree linktree.com slash the lots project that has links to everything under the sun so if you want to check that out or there's listings at the website podcast every morning 6 a.m monday through friday come hang out it's fun 
Well, I've got uh, Ellis Family Farms YouTube channel, and I did start a new one. Uh, it's called Farm Animal Life, and the only thing is on that is I just stick a camera in with either with my pigs or either with my chicks or something like that. So there's no talking. There's it's just in you know, just farm animal life, and uh, so I started that one. And I have to admit, with a name like mine, I did not do marketing or anything. But on Instagram, I'm Thesia V Dayhoff Ellis. As long as the same with Facebook. TikTok is at Thesia Ellis and MeWe is Thesia Ellis. And everybody goes, what the heck is that? But I'm sorry, that's the name I was given. So that's what I'm going with. <laughs> well, if you guys uh, want to come by three times a week, I give you all the tips for hunting all the Pokemon you could ever want. Uh, night vision goggles, uh, laser sights, the whole works. Uh, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> I got a lot on the go right now, guys. Uh, patch of the month. Patchofthemonth.co. Yeah, I had to think about that for a minute. Patchofthemonth.co. That's the way you can sign up and support me. If you want to see me or meet me in person, Prepper Camp last weekend in September. I'm going to be in Saluda, North Carolina. Um, then I'll be four days doing some special training in Camden, Tennessee. And then after that, that weekend, I'm going to be speaking at the Self-Reliance Festival. And apparently, I'm also going to be part of a panel with Jack and Nicole. We don't know the topic yet, but that's going to be rather exciting. And this Sunday, I have John Willis coming on the live stream, 7 p.m. Mountain Time. We're going to talk about tools. So lots of things on the go. That's enough of my shameless plugging. So, yeah, there you are. It may be shameless plugging, but it's all good stuff. We all enjoy it. Uh, I'm Hawkins with Chicken Hawk Farmstead. Uh, got my YouTube. You can find me on there, Instagram, MeWe, all those different places. I'm pretty much on all of them. So you can check those out. And don't forget to tune in next week with Fireside Freedom. Uh, it's a weekly podcast and live stream Tuesdays at what is it, 7 Central? Does that sound right? I know it's 8 for me, but I'm Eastern. So, <laughs> all right, that's it for this week, guys. Everyone have a great one. So.